Okay, is this okay? Okay, it's cool. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back for another edition of the Twelve Kyle Podcast. I'm your boy Twelve Kyle, and as I mentioned in the intro, uh, we got a special, special uh, podcast this time. Um, we're going to talk about three uh, legendary basketball players. Uh, but we're not going to really focus so much on their accomplishments on the court and who got the most rings and who made <laughs> who made it <laughs> the most all-star teams. We're not going to do that. We're going to talk more about their impact on the culture. Uh, Michael Jordan, Allen Iverson, and LeBron James. And, of course, I got the homies. Anytime I'm talking basketball uh, or anything crazy for that matter, I got to bring the homies in. Um, first up, man, I mean, you've heard them on here before. Uh, the resident architect of the crew, <laughs> uh, Hampton <laughs> University graduate, uh, VA's own, back in VA. We, we should we should call him boy back back. Can we call him back back? <laughs> yes, we can. <laughs> uh, he's from the crib. We grew up together. Like I said, been running with this cat about thirty years, man. A man, easy does it. VA, aka my boy Zell. Zell, what up, man? What up, what up, what up, what it do, man? You got it, man. What's cracking? Same old, man, same old. Just trying to get into this basketball topics. I know, that's right. I know, that's right. You know, I, I, you know anytime we, we talk basketball, I mean, I got to have, you know, people who, like you, who, you know, grew up with your arm tied behind your back and had to learn how to dribble left hand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, yeah. True. Yeah. And uh, my next co-host, man, another uh, lifelong friend. I've uh, been running with this cat about 30 years. Uh, fresh off his vacation in the south of France. Wow. We, you know, we had not talked to him since he's been back from the south of France. My man, D. Lovehall. D, what up, man? What, what, what's, what's good, fam? How, was, how was the south of France, man? Um, Mexico was straight. You know, it was warm. Oh, you went to Mexico and the south of I, France? I mean, you know, Key West was straight. You know, Key West and, and Cozumel. Yeah, how's that? How's that? Yeah, it was straight. I mean, <laughs> wow! I can't believe we're doing this in the public I mean, eye. I, like, I mean, I didn't talk about seriously. Yeah, I didn't talk about your album. I know, but why we got to talk about like <laughs> South of France in public? Like you could have did that like way before this shit. It's much uh, better. It's, it's much better on the pod. This is true. This is true. This is true. I'm 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 watching the end of uh actually just going off. I'm watching the credits of uh Black Klansman because until an hour ago. I had no clue what the topic was going to be, so I was preparing for anything. So Black Klansman just puts me in the, the mood for anything. I was ready for any topic. Well, you know, I mean, if be honest, if I emailed you the topic and told you what we were talking about, you wouldn't have read the email. I would have read the the, the title of the email, but I read the questions. I'll give you that much. I'd have read the title. You wouldn't have read the questions. The, hell no, I wouldn't have read the questions. Nope. So there it is. There I it want is. everybody to get the real answers. This is real. Uh, and, uh, and before we get started, uh, are you drinking tonight, man? Hold on, can you hear? It? <laughs> I thought I heard it earlier. <laughs> now, just want to make sure you get it right the ice. If if you if those of you listening, you remember the first time, or at least not the first time. Was this the last time we had D Love all on here? And it sounded like somebody. Was, okay, sounded like somebody was breaking into his place <laughs> during, <laughs> during the podcast. <laughs> I, I I switched up I switched up my uh my, my my operation so don't worry about that. Okay okay okay. You still got uh you still got the wallpaper. The boom box. Are we are we really doing this? In I, the yeah, I'm just asking, man. Are we really doing? Okay. Dope, I, I'm only saying it because I've been there. I mean, it's dope. It's dope. <laughs> oh man. 
Uh, yes, still have the wallpaper. Now let's move on. All right, so moving on. So let's get it, let's get it cracking, man. Jordan, AI, and LeBron. Um, and, and as we before we get started, I want to let some of you listeners know: at some point in time during the conversation, you may hear us refer to Allen Iverson as Chuck or Bubba Chuck, because uh, that's who he is to us fans. Uh, so just you know, understand if you hear us say Chuck, we're not talking about Charles Barkley, okay? <laughs> so. When we're thinking about these these three iconic basketball players, um, and Zell, I'll start first with, you, first with you. What was your first? And, and we'll go we'll go for each guy, and then we'll, we'll we'll swing it back around. Your first memory of Michael Jordan? Do you remember the first time that you on a basketball court? Obviously, saw him. Uh, what was your first memory the, that you can think of of Michael Jordan? Um, I would have to say Carolina days, man. I, I go back that far as a little kid. You know, my brother watched a lot of basketball. I was right there watching it with him. And um, I can just remember University of North Carolina, Mike. And even back then, he had all the little extra swag. <laughs> and extra, you know what I mean? Extra gum and, you know... <laughs> You know, the windmills and all this kind of stuff was happening. Um, you know, he was doing that even in college, maybe not to the same clip because, you know, he did play for Carolina. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I still remember the swag from North Carolina and um, him hitting the big shot. You know, I remember all those moments. And I said that's probably my earliest memories. I, even at that time, I knew he would be good, but I didn't think he was going to be the greatest ever. Like, I probably didn't have that in mind, but... He definitely was uh, a superior athlete. Um, you know, I can remember, I guess, against the might have been Maryland where he pulled out the windmill. And, you know, I'm like, come on, man. Nobody was doing <laughs> Nobody was doing that. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I have to say Carolina Mike for okay, sure. Okay. D, yeah. what about you? Your, your first memories of Jordan? <sighs> Here we go. All right, man. First of all, let me start by saying I was too young to know what hate was. <laughs> so I can't say that I hated him. Right. But since Georgetown was my first like team that I associated with that I, I, I can say that I like like that, my first, you know, image or my first memory of him was the shot. Okay, okay. Because y'all y'all know my dad. My dad loves, loves, loves UNC. Right. So he forced me to watch those. He's a big, you know, James Worthy fan back then. He was black. He loved all those dudes. So he forced me to watch those games whether I wanted to or not. Mm. So my first love with Georgetown, I can't say I hated MJ because I didn't know what hate was, but that shot, it 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 lasted for a long time. Yeah, I just like y'all get it, do all the credit and and who is this little dude? Right. Forget this little dude. But that was my first memory of him. And to co-sign what Zeke said, his 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 second year, I think it was, it might have been his sophomore year when he went to Maryland at the end of the game and did that little windmill, which was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And that's when you started hearing about Lynn Bias. And I started getting into basketball really heavy, probably around that time, because my dad was into it. And I finally caught on to what he was watching. And MJ, you know, where we lived, they showed Tar Heel games right. all the time. Right. Every game, damn near, was a Tar Heel game somewhere. <clears throat> Excuse me. So my, my my first memory was the shot, but after that, I think his sophomore year was was when I saw more of him. His freshman year, I didn't see him that much, but his sophomore year, I saw him, and I, you know, I was like, yeah, okay, <clears throat> this 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 cat is kind of nice. Mm-hmm. This this I can't front. Did he hit the shot on my team that I liked then? But that <clears throat> ultimately, watching his game over his sophomore year, he was. 
and, it, and listen, it could have been some other players around the country that were doing their thing, but in South Carolina, we didn't get to see that. Right. <laughs> especially, you know what I'm saying? Especially in mid eighties. Right. We didn't have the, all the channels back then. So exactly. yeah, we saw, I saw a lot of him at, at Carolina and, and I, I thought just me personally, I thought this dude, if, if this is how cats play in college, I ain't never going to college. <laughs> you know, cause this dude is on another plane, but yeah, that the shot was first, right. but his sophomore year, I think that's when I started really, really noticing what he was about. I think, um, and, and, and like you said, we, we all grew up in Florence, South Carolina. So the, uh, I can't remember what was it Viacom I think was the yep. the, the programming yep. and and so we saw ACC basketball every Saturday. So there was always a game on TV and I remember like you said Carolina games came on damn near every Saturday. And I remember his freshman year I saw him before he hit the shot it was a game against Wake Forest and uh he got a and I you know I was barely like you said D I was just getting into watching basketball at the time and um college basketball actually because i started watching pro basketball in 1980 so college was just starting to come around and this was like 81 82 and um i remember they were playing against wake forest and the game was on i really wasn't paying attention or whatever like that and i just happened to look up and he got a steal and he got the ball on a breakaway and he dunked it. I mean, like he did this crazy windmill, cocked it back behind his head. And I mean, like you ain't seen nothing that flashy in college. And I was like, oh, snap. You know, anytime, you know, back then, if you saw somebody dunk, you were excited. Right. So he dunked and then they put his name on the screen and it said Mike Jordan. And I was like, because he wasn't Michael. They, they right. he was he was right. Mike Jordan back then. They're like. I don't think they started calling him Michael until like his sophomore year after he hit the shot. Um, and so he hit the shot, obviously, against, like you said, the Georgetown Hoyas in the uh, in the uh, championship game. And, um, you know, things changed for him. And again, he went on to become, you know, the All-American, the whole nine. But, yeah, that was my first first memory of Michael Jordan, him dunking against Wake Forest. And I just like I said, I distinctly remember the name because his name was he was Mike. And I was like. My, who the hell is this? Mike Jordan? It was like, yeah, this freshman, Mike Jordan, he's, you know, and, and, the, and the announcers was singing his praises. It was just weird <laughs> just thinking back on it now because he didn't, you know, it wasn't nothing flashy about him. He he had a, but, Mike, like, but like Zell said, he had a little swag about him. He, you know, we didn't know <laughs> what the hell swag was back then. <laughs> he, had, he had a little flavor back then. So that, so that was really, uh, I thought that was really cool. Um, now, conversely, uh, D, what about you? Uh, AI, Allen Iverson. Your first memory of uh, Bubba Chuck? It's the dude that's laughing. The dude that's laughing. That's, that's, that's my first memory. I mean, I was in I was in the army at the time. I was in Hawaii, and you know, I was I was calling y'all whenever I could or right. sending letters, whatever. And Zell at the time was at Hampton, and I don't know what year it was. I'm not gonna front like I remember that much, <clears throat> but I do remember I called him, and we was talking for a, a quick minute, and and all of a sudden he was like, "Yo, dude." It's this dude, it's this little young dude who just came on the yard with like a 40-foot Gucci link chain. <laughs> and you know, back then, everybody had the Gucci links. He right, had the Gucci right, right, link, right. he had the do-rag. Yo, this little dude came on the yard, and everybody was sweating him, and he came on the court, and I was like, man, bump this little dude. I got him, I got him. And dude came down the court full speed and made the ball disappear on the court. <laughs> and the ball, he fell on his back, and he just stopped, and the ball disappeared. Nigga, I go, boom, he had it back, and he dunked on niggas. I was like... 
that's impossible. Like you know, I'm 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 a I'm a soldier, right? So in my mind, all I know is what's going on in in Hawaii. I'm about to see somebody drooling the court, and we don't like it. We elbow him in the chest, right? So <laughs> when Zell told me this story, I was like, no, that's that's not true. Can't nobody come down court full speed, drop the ball behind their back, and just stop, and the ball is gone. Shut up. You know, I was just so <laughs> right. mad. I was so mad. But then I started hearing more stories from some dudes who I knew from like New York upstairs, they was giving me these stories about they heard about this cat named AI, AI. And I was like, whatever. And then somebody was like, yo, you like Georgetown, right? I'm like, yeah, you know, that's my team. And like, yo, AI going to Georgetown. So I called Zell. He was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Chuck is going to, he's going to, he's going to G-Town. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm going to check him out. Right. And I think, I'm trying to remember what tournament. It might have been the Maui Classic. I'm not sure. But I think they were playing Arizona. I'm almost certain it was Arizona. And Chuck went baseline and he two-hand reversed it baseline. Mm. And you know, he's you know 5'10. At, at the time we thought he was 6'1, but I saw him in person. But when he reversed it two-hand, I'm thinking, no, something's not right. This dude can't do this, so I called Zell. You know, I had to call the homie. Mm-hmm. And he was like, Oh, I'm trying to tell you that's him. That's that dude. He's like that. <laughs> He's like that. So Zell was the first one to put me on, and I didn't believe none of the stories Zell told me because I'm like, <laughs> shut up. This is real. I'm in the real world. I'm shooting M16s, my dude. I don't want to hear this crap about this little dude. And then I saw him, and I was like, uh, maybe. Okay. But the Arizona, I, I want to say, it, it, maybe it wasn't a mile. It wasn't a mile classic. They didn't play in it. They played in some tournament. And it was Arizona they were playing. He two-hand reversed it mm-hmm. under the rim. And I thought, how did he get up there? Mm-hmm. I said, okay. I, okay. I'm not, now I'm on. Now, now I'm sweating him. It's official. Wow. 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 I, um, <clears throat> my first memory, uh, like you said, I, I think the first time I heard about him was from Zell. Because as I mentioned at the top, Zell was at Hampton University. And I'll let him tell whatever, <laughs> whatever, whatever <laughs> Bubba Chuck stories he want to tell. Um, so I, so we we had heard about him, and, and keep in mind for those of you listening, there was no internet. I mean, we're right. talking this right. is ninety five ish, ninety four, ninety five, something like that around that time. And so there was no internet. So you know, if you heard about somebody, you probably read about them. Right. But, you know, there was there was no YouTube to go to to look at somebody's tapes or, or, or clips oh, google. or google right so um i didn't actually see him until he arrived at georgetown and um i think one of the first memories i had of him was uh, it was um it was in dc and georgetown was playing against their rival uh syracuse which is my favorite college basketball team and we couldn't stay in front of him i mean like there was nothing we could do we tried to you know they went to the two three zone. He ran through the zone. I mean, he he was just a guy that had so much energy. He was hitting shots, and this was you know, fade <laughs> one tattoo. Allen Iverson. This wasn't cornrows, <laughs> you know. But he had a bounce to him. He had he had that sweat. He had, he was cock- you could tell he was cocky as hell, right? And I just I was like I he was one of those people that when you were on the court you couldn't take your eyes off of. Him. And so, like, that was my first memory of Iverson. Iverson. I don't even know how many points he dropped on us that night. I know that uh, Georgetown won. And, um, you know, after that, I just kind of took notice. And it was like I was 
glad to see a player like that, but I was kind of mad because I was like, damn, we Syracuse should have should have got him. <laughs> you know, like how did how the hell he end up at Georgetown? And then of course later on we heard about, you know, the being him, you know, going to jail, being granted clemency from uh governor former former Virginia governor Doug Wilder, um, and the story behind the brawl and the whole nine that happened in the bowling alley. You all know the story, so we're not gonna rehash that. But um yeah, but yeah, that was my um that was my first memory of uh of, of Chuck. What what about you, Zell? Uh Give us your uh, <laughs> whatever you want to share. Listen, man, I probably could take the rest of the podcast <laughs> document the number of stories that I probably have regarding this cat. But the first time I seen him, it was already like like memory, like rumors around just the town. Like you know, you need to go check this cat out at this school called Belter High School, and it was the local high school and. You know, his games used to be sold out and couldn't really get in. So that was already a thing. I didn't really know him. I just heard about him. So we had these outdoor courts behind the dormitories. I stayed in Hartness Hall. And uh, at the time, I might have been, hell, was I freshman, sophomore? I can't even remember. It had to have been out back. I might have probably been a sophomore when this was happening. And, um... So, you know, I had, you know, I ain't had no crazy rep, but I was always back there hooping. All my friends, we always used to hoop almost every day. Same thing we used to do when we was in Norwood Lane. We used to right, do the same right. thing. <laughs> and we just go hoop, hoop, hoop. So, you know, we had our squads. We used to run games. You know, we take us forever to get off. You know, we had all the cheat codes for the rims. You know? <laughs> <laughs> we thought we was kind of like that. We run a cast off the courts. So then this one dude showed up. I didn't know who he was. I looked around. I just saw the court getting packed. Like people was coming to watch. Wow. So I just and it's like, a pickup game. This a pickup game, dude. Wow. So then and then I'm looking around. I'm like, I'm trying not to even sweat the nigga. You know what I mean? Like right, right. He coming to the courts. Everybody's dapping him up. Like you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like. I like man, who the who the who is this clown? You know what I mean. And so he had on his like jewelry, and uh, you know he was you know he was he thought he was fresh, and he came in, and he had a couple of dudes with him, and um, um, so you know they was warming up on the side, and cats was like, yo, you see da da, and I'm over there trying like to ignore like the whole thing, you know. I'm like, man, anybody tripping off that little freshman cat? You know what I mean? Like. I, this nigga about to get done up. So in my brain, I'm thinking, you're not coming on my court, player, and do none of that, none of that little dribbling display you putting on over there. There ain't none of that happening over here. That's what I'm thinking. Yes. And so, so then, you know, you know how people be shooting around and stuff like that before the game start. Right. You know, Chuck going up, two hand dunk cocoon, just like just casual, wow. right? And then niggas on my team was like. Yo, you see this nigga up? <laughs> you see that nigga? I said, man, I don't see shit, dog. I don't see, you know what I mean? I don't care. It ain't nothing, ain't nothing. But yo, he got to get to the rim, dog. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm I'm pumping myself up trying to get my team. Like, yo, man, forget that cat, yo. And so then uh, they get their squad together, and then uh, I think he shot for you know who had a ball first. He made it. And then he rolled the ball down the middle of the court. Said, check ball. Right? Man, when I tell you that jank was like the parting of the sea, nobody picked up the ball. Because <laughs> if you picked up the ball, that means you had to guard him. 
Yes, the ball almost rolled all the way to the baseline. Like, <laughs> So then, you know me, dog. I like that, whatever, man. I got ball. Y'all got ball, you know. So I get, I get aggressive and I check ball back at it, had him hard. He like, yo, check ball, let's go. He checked it back at me. <laughs> I gave it back to him. And so then, you know, the game was going on, and the first time I got isolated on Chuck. Man, it was different. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> so he got the ball back. And I'm all, I'm sitting down in my position. I got him kind of angled to the left. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Trying to make him go left. <laughs> yeah, I'm making him go left. And man, every all his movements were so unbelievably quick that it was disturbing at first. You know what I'm <laughs> <laughs> and and then it was funny because I was like, um, oh, shit. he got by me so easily. I mean, it was really easy. He got by me. And I think the first time he, he got to the hole, he laid it up and snapped the glass, like, get up, you can, you know, all this cussing and all, you know, everything. So like, yeah, I'm like, all right, word. That's all. Okay, dog. And so then I tell God, I say, you're animal layoffs, dog. I told my <laughs> You ain't the Knicks B. <laughs> yeah, man. No more layoffs. Yeah. <laughs> hey, 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 D, you heard that? He, uh, AI, AI passed him and he telling the team no more layups. <laughs> yeah, you got to be in help. You know what I'm saying? I got to have help. So so I push him to the side. I push him towards the help. And if we get to the rim, dog, we got to just, you know, ball up. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> we got to shoot jumpers out here, dog. You know what I'm <laughs> so, so, you know, he went to the hole a couple of times. And we did kind of touch him up a little bit. And he said, oh, y'all trying to hurt me out here. That's what y'all trying to do? All right, word. I, I see what we about to do. So then the game started getting into transition. So this is when the famous play happened. So it's coming down in transition. And it looks crazy because you're not supposed to be able to go side to side and run at full speed. You're not supposed to be able to do that. Right. But, <laughs> but there was a moment where this cat came down, and I think everybody remembers seeing the Jada Kiss uh-huh. Allen Iverson Reebok commercial, yeah, yeah. where he's throwing the ball behind his back with the with one hand and catching it with the same hand. Well, that was his signature move. He actually did that in the game. So he's coming down, going inside out, getting through defenders, and he throws the ball behind his back, <laughs> all the way around his back, and catch it with the same hand. And I'm sitting there like, where did the ball go? <laughs> where did the ball go? And then I turn my head. I look up. He throws the joint up. He did it. You know how LeBron throw it off the backboard and catches it and dunks it? Right. So he threw it up. And my homeboy thought it was an alley-oop. So he started backpedaling and tried to get up and get the alley-oop. It hits the backboard and then come barreling down the lane. <laughs> <laughs> and he grabs that joint with two hands and oh, he shit. dunks it in transition. This is all off making the ball disappear. Wow. <laughs> full speed. Full speed, though. And when I tell you the entire campus erupted. <laughs> <laughs> the, camp, the whole campus. All the, the whole after university. Di- <laughs> if, you, if you can imagine the rucker, dog, the rucker, how like people be hanging out the projects and right, out the right, window. Right. 
Yo, I looked up and literally, because the dorm was like five stories high and it was like three dorms around the court. I looked up and it was literally people looking out of the window, watching the game. <laughs> and I couldn't believe, I said, this cat just made the ball disappear. <laughs> <laughs> So, so then the next play, and this was game point. So he come down, right? He waves everybody off. It's just me and Boba Chuck. Wow. He waves everybody off. He pushing everybody down to the baseline. I got it. I got it. I got it. And so he talking to him. He looking at me. He said, you know, I'm about to hit game, right? That's what he's like. <laughs> <laughs> you know this game. You know this about to be game, right? Like, you know. He's telling me this is about to begin. I'm like, what up with Nuka? You know, at that time, I'm fake hard now because I don't see the ball this <laughs> Yeah, you got to lose now. Yeah, yeah, I'm really fake hard. None of this what I'm doing is real. Whatever, nigga. You got to, you, you ain't going to the hole. I know that. I know you ain't. So I'm trying to punt the nigga and go into the hole so we, can, <laughs> so we can touch him up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I know one thing. You ain't going to go to the hole. I know one thing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, shit. So then... He hit me with signature move number two. You know <laughs> so he comes down and he's skipping. He's skipping with the ball. Like, skip to my loop. He's skipping with it, dog. He's skipping with the ball. Wow. Right? And then he comes down and he goes hard left. And the ball raises up in his hand. And if you remember the Michael Jordan double cross, that's what he hit me with for game point. Wow. Except he only did it. He only did it once. <laughs> <laughs> he hit you with the AI crossover. He hit you with the crossover, bro. And the ball was so high in his hand. And you know me, I think I can rip anybody. So I go in for the rip. <laughs> and I go in for the rip. And then he just rolls the ball under my hand. <laughs> and before I could even contest the jumper, he's elevating into his jump shot. Wow. And then he knocks the J down. And so, he said, Pump, Nuggle. <laughs> and then, now, after he says, Point, nigga. He begins to grab his do-rag and the rest of his <laughs> He goes over to the sidelines and grabs his little stuff, his jewelry and his little whatever mixtapes or whatever he <laughs> And he's like, man, I'm done out here. These niggas ain't gonna hurt me. I'm done out here, dog. I'm done. Work done. And then him and his boys, they disappear and my other homeboy said, where did they go? It looked like they walked across the water. <laughs> <laughs> that niggas just that niggas came, that niggas came and had a, a, a outdoor performance and walked walked across the water. Game over. Oh my god! Oh my god! And, that and, was my first experience. And, and what, <laughs> what we failed to mention was that first of all, Zell can play ball. He can hoop. So it's, <laughs> it's not like this. Is, we talking about a scrub here. And at the time, you're a college sophomore. Yes. AI is, he's in high school at this point. He's yes. Like, he's what, a junior in high school, something like that? Yeah, this is, when I played, when we played out back, he was, this is right before his trial. Oh, wow. Wow. And so then, after he went, you know, whatever, they put him in jail or whatever that was, whatever detention or whatever that was, he went. Um, I, I told my homeboys, 
after I realized who that was, I um I kept my Nikes with the um black shoe strings in it. I didn't play them no more because I played against the Irish. You, know? uh, <laughs> <laughs> you never told me that part. You never, oh, you yeah. never told me that part of the story. Oh, man. Yeah, listen, oh, and my man. homeboys joke me. They're like, yo, you still got the shoes. <laughs> <laughs> you still got the shoes. I think it crossed you up. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. That and, is hilarious. And, my, and listen, one of my homeboys, he always joked me. He said, yo, man. He said, we never had to help Zell out with his man in the, on the perimeter like that. He's like, every time you turn around, nigga Chuck was coming down. <laughs> hey, it, it wasn't nothing they could have done to help other than foul. That, that, that's all we was doing. We was hacking the shit out of him. I mean, he did start pulling up jump shots, but that didn't work either because he was making those. Wow. So, <laughs> so, yeah, and then uh, after that, man, I think I saw him. He was like playing against um, the Hampton University basketball squad. And he made me feel better because he used to go up there and play and practice and, you know, go runs with some of the college players. Okay. And he literally used to pee on the whole team. Like, it was the – like, he was out there making the whole Hammond University team look like he played against me and my friends. Mm. (laughs) Wow. And that was before, you know, he didn't even play his senior year in high school. So, you know what I'm saying? He went to to Georgetown just off of, like, you know – Three years of basketball. Yeah, yeah, and was was all state in football as well too. Yeah, wow. and one after one year of college. So I mean, that's almost like undeveloped talent. You got to mm-hmm. think about it. He only played college for one year and only played high school ball for three years. So he wasn't really polished. Mm-hmm. Very, not even seasoned. Oh, yeah. man, that 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 is a. <laughs> that's a great story. That might that's be one classic, of the, that might be one of the best classic. stories ever told on this podcast. That's classic. I remember you told me that story, and I was so mad. Like, oh. man, you don't, you don't let nobody blow by you. Who's this little dude talking about? Right. I was mad. I had no idea who he was talking about. It's funny but I was mad. It's funny because I remember when he told me the story. I'm still like, okay, who is who the hell is Chuck? Who is Bubba Chuck? Who he's like Allen right, Iverson. Right. And again, I don't know who Allen Iverson is at this point right. because. Again, there's no internet. There's no. I mean, we, I'm in South Carolina. I'm at South Carolina State at this point. I don't. I don't know nothing about no Allen Iverson. Um, oh my God. Um, conversely, uh, Zell, your your first 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 memory of LeBron. Uh, yeah, man. ESPN, man. Saint mm-hmm. Mary's. What is it? Saint Vincent. Saint, Saint Mary's. Saint Mary's. Yeah. Yeah, man. ESPN game. First time. I don't know how many he dropped, but um. I just remember Dick Vitale and everybody, his high school game being aired on ESPN. And, mm-hmm. you know, that was um, the coming out party for him as far as, you know, being his national, his notoriety nationally. And, uh, uh, I mean, they, they all knew about it, but that was the first time I think the entire world got a chance to see it on display. And, um, yeah, man, 6'8", with handles, can play any position. I mean, um the most probably talked about high school player in the history of the game. Um, yeah, that was my first thing, you know, that whole, that whole thing with the tattoos being taped yep, up because taped coaches up, right. didn't like, they had their tattoos out, you know? So it was, uh, that was my first, my first witness of the, me witnessing the King. Okay. Okay. That's not a terrible. <laughs> yeah. Your first time witnessing, witnessing being a witness. <laughs> What about you? Your your first time, uh, first memory of LeBron. Um, it's the same game, and I think um Bill Walton may have been another person that was calling because he was sucking his balls, and I couldn't stand it. 
So um, it was the same game, and I'm going to just be honest because y'all know me. See, when Mike did his thing, I didn't know I was a hater. When LeBron came up, I knew I was a hater, so I hated immediately. <laughs> like, I was like, okay, we had Vic Collins at 6'10", and he couldn't chew gum and, and run at the same time. I'm not impressed by this kid. I'm not impressed by this this dude in high school. His point guard is 5'8", who never touches the ball. I'm not impressed by nothing he does. I wasn't impressed by – but quietly I was, mm-hmm. but I couldn't tell nobody I was. Because everybody was just so – he was on the cover of, 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 of Sports Illustrated. Yep. And I was like, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not buying. I'm not buying the the the, the whole uh, Hummer shit. I'm not buying none of that. But that first game, he 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 looked like a man amongst boys because mm-hmm. practically he was. I, I mean, think about when we was in school. Who was the biggest cat who played ball, who could actually run and dribble? Like, right. was it Keyshawn? Yeah. Was he the biggest? Yeah. yeah. Well, that could do yeah. both. Or maybe Brunson, Jermaine Brunson. Could he do both though? I mean, I know he, uh, he wouldn't fall, but could no, no. Brunson do both? Yeah, like yeah, Keyshawn yeah. could run and dribble. I knew he not like he couldn't cross you up. Right, right, right. He was right. more like a Blake Griffin type <clears> of dribbler, mean, he but he could still do six, it. He was six four, so. We yeah, you see what I'm saying? So we didn't know. We didn't know that. Mm-hmm. We didn't. We didn't see that in high school. So when I saw him in that at that St. Vincent's, I was kind of like, yeah, he should. But I was when I when I stopped my hate train and I watched, I did kind of say, you know what? He is rather athletic. For six eight, mm-hmm. I can try to I can try to hate all I want to, but for six eight, he don't look goofy. No, no, there was no goofball about. Oh, he was very athletic, and I said, "Yeah, we'll see." <laughs> we'll see. I mean, you know, in high school, it's cute. We'll see. Right. Uh, yeah, man. I I remember um much like you guys, same thing. Um, the ESPN game, and I can't remember which one came first. I I do remember hearing about him, and I do remember. The SI cover. I can't remember if the SI cover came first or the ESPN game came first. Um, but those are my two first memories of him. And um, <clears throat> that game that was on ESPN, I, I tuned in like everybody else just to see what the fuss was about. Because I'm like, you know, okay. You know, they were like, this guy's 6'8". He has vision like magic. He can run the floor like a gazelle. He's, you know, he's this, he's that. And I'm like, okay, let me see if he's a real deal. Because, I mean, again, you know, He's playing in Ohio, you know, which and that was another, you know, for us basketball fans, at least for me, you know, I, 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 I won't go as far like D said I was hating, but I, to me that was I was like, okay, he, he this is this great basketball player, and he's playing in where Ohio, you know, like there were some great players that come out of Ohio that you know came out around the same time that I did, but at the same time. You know, Ohio, Akron, Ohio wasn't wasn't it, it wasn't like he was from Brooklyn, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But from LA, you know, or Chicago. That's where we or Detroit, that's where we knew the ball players came from. So, you know, when I got word that this kid was supposed to be the next best thing and he was from Akron, Ohio, I'm like, uh, okay. And so I watched the game and yeah, he was impressive. But, you know, like to these point, I I don't want to say I was hating, but I, I just I was impressed, but I also kind of in the back of my mind, I was like, well, these are high school kids, you know, and he clearly was a man amongst boys. I mean, it wasn't, I don't think there was anybody else out there, his, his size. And if there was, they, they weren't like you said, if he, he's six, eight and he was agile. He, I mean, I think at one point, I don't know if it was that game or the the second time he was on ESPN, uh, where he got the ball on the break and he, uh, went and dunked it in between his legs. And, um, 
you know, so I was like, okay, this dude, you know, he he's the real deal. But you you never know until you see them up against, you know, the the regular competition. So I was waiting to see what he was going to look like in college. And of course, we know he did not go to college. But um, but yeah, I was impressed. I was impressed. He 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 left a lasting impression. I think one of those games he scored like thirty five or something. He had like thirty five, ten, and seven or something like this. Something crazy. And it was easy. Yeah. Oh yeah, easy. It was easy. easy. I, I can't front. It was easy. Yeah, he made it. Even his. His his jump shot was there. The way that he distributed the ball, you know, the way that he took command of the game, he made it look easy. And and it was, in a lot of ways, very similar to how he looks now. Wherein, if you watch LeBron play now, you know, he might finish with 29, 9 rebounds, 8 assists. And you, you look at the box score and like, okay, I don't remember him doing all of this. And he does it so effortlessly. And I think that's one of the things that I think stood out to me even back then about LeBron and his game. Um, as we talk about the three, like I said, we're going to talk more about, you know, what they did culturally wise. So I guess one of the other things I want to ask is um, we talked about our first memory. D, what's your favorite memory from LeBron? Favorite memory. <coughs> wow. You're asking a LeBron hater <laughs> to give you his favorite memory of LeBron. Uh, Let me a see. LeBron uh, hater who actually, and you're a Lakers fan, and now he plays for uh, your team. And we're not going to discuss that in public. No, I'll, no I'll, we're not. We're not. We, we yeah. talking. We're talking about yes. culture. We're not yes. talking about. We, we'll, we'll save that for another podcast. <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to. I'm trying to think. I want to say my my. You said my favorite memory of him. Favorite my memory. Fa- yes. When he dropped twenty five on Detroit in the mm. fourth, did he mm. did he call somebody a bitch? I don't think he did. <clears throat> I wanna, or was it against Boston? Did he did he call Garnett a bitch? Uh, somebody he he kind of went off in a fourth in a big game. Either Boston or Detroit. I know Detroit he had a twenty five, but yeah. I think maybe Boston he might have had a big fourth, and and he finally did what I've been begging for him to do. You're 6'8", 260, and probably 2% body fat. Mm-hmm. Like, you're all muscle. You're a manly man. You cannot be pumped on the court. One of those games, either the Detroit game or the Boston game, he he let it out, and he let the, the, the real nigga out. Like, y'all really can't stop me. Mm-hmm. For all the shit y'all talking in the press, ultimately, none of you can't touch. And that's... For the people who always say I, I hate LeBron so much, the reason why I I, I I can't say I hate LeBron, I've wanted him to to play to his size. Somebody get the bebop on. Let me hold on to bebop. Zell, is that you? Oh my yeah, that's my cover. Go ahead. <laughs> Y'all can't blame me for that one. But no, I, LeBron was he's so much more. He, he's so gifted athletically, and he's so big and strong. I wanted him sometime to just be like, fuck all of y'all. And the 25 against Detroit, he did that. But I, somebody he called a bitch. Like, it might have been Boston. See, when you call, like, when he when he dunked over the dude in Chicago, the little, uh, 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 the third, the third John, uh, um, um, talk about John Lucas. Yeah, John Lucas. Lucas. Yeah, when he did that, I wasn't impressed. John Lucas 5'6. You should have did that shit. I wasn't impressed. But when he does it against, like, real G's, Rashid Wallace in his prime and all that, I, that's when I, that's when I'm like, yeah, go get some. So either the, the, the 25 against Detroit in the fourth or when he went off again. I can't tell you the numbers, but on ball, it had to be Boston because it wasn't really nobody in the East that was really like that. 
he 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 was coming out of his the, the monster came out like y'all putting Tayshawn Prince on me fuck y'all you know it, it was like insulting he finally realized it's insulting for y'all to keep calling him a lockdown defender mm-hmm. on me so that's that's my favorite members of him it was the Boston twenty five and I don't know what the numbers were against Boston I mean I'm sorry the, the Detroit twenty five and the Boston whatever he did to them when he he finally realized that they couldn't guard me and he just uh, y'all, what y'all gonna do? That's when I. That's when I like him. I like him when he finally comes out and says, "Yeah, my teammates might not be able to do what y'all think, but y'all can't stop me, bitches." And he goes for it. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Zell? Uh, I think the Detroit game that's there up there for me. Um, I think probably the hardest moment. I like. I think they may have been down three two on the road. He was in Miami. To Indiana, and he came in that joint game face, no laughing yeah, and no playing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and everybody was trying to talk to him over the, over, you know. Yeah. He was like annoying conversation. Yeah. He wouldn't talk <laughs> he was to nobody. Yo, he was just quiet. I think he had like a forty something, and like he almost had like a forty point triple double or something like all that. This was all business. Yeah, he just like down three two. On a closeout game, and he was on the road, and he was like basically sending a message like, "Nah, y'all not, y'all not closing this out, not while I'm on the floor." Yes. Um, and I remember that moment, and I had to give like you know the Cleveland coming back from game seven moment, you know, <laughs> Cleveland, this is for you. <laughs> hold on, but it, hold on, you did you like that for real? Did you like that for real though? I that, like, felt, that felt so generic. Well, well said, favorite not, me- we talking about favorite memories. I know, but that feel, I, the, him, what he did was great, but him saying that felt generic. No, 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 no not, not him saying that. I think he's okay, 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 okay. I was just making fun of the fact that he did <laughs> okay. that much. But no, the actual moment of him coming back. Okay. And, and um, the whole series and, you know, Draymond Green and then Draymond Green, if they would have came back, if he would have played in game six, you know, everybody says Golden State probably would have closed them out. Well, Draymond Green came back and in game seven, Draymond Green had 30 some points. And it didn't matter. It, it didn't matter. So, yeah, I have to say those two moments stand out the most to me. And there are probably some other ones, but those are significant because of the um, the game and the championship playoffs and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I agree. I'd have to say um, the was it, 25 straight he scored against Detroit. I think that was the moment where, you know, and people talked about when and where he was going to take his game to the next level. I think that was it right there. Like, that was where he just kind of showed everybody, like, if I have to, I'll put these people on my back and I and I will carry them. And I think it was at that point where the league just kind of took notice. Like, okay, he we already knew what kind of talent he was, but he really just kind of elevated his game to the next level because at that at that particular time, you know, nobody gave him a chance to hell at, at beating Detroit. And I mean, for them to really just for him to just put them on his back and dominate the way that he did in the fourth quarter, just making it count. I think that experience kind of helped propel him to, you know, like you said, Zelda, the the forty point game that he had when he was just ice grilling everybody, um, the the time in Miami, the you know, obviously the 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 winning of the championship and how he came because quiet is kept. 
you know, people remember the block shot or whatever in game seven, but he still, he had stellar games just to get them back game. I think it was game five and game six. Um, go check the stats on that. Those games, he was incredible. I'm talking, yeah. you know, 30 plus point triple doubles. And so, um, you know, and, 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 you know, a lot of people are going to give Kyrie because Kyrie did hit the shot, but I think, you know, you have to give LeBron a lot of credit too because at that particular time it was a standoff. I think it that if I'm not mistaken, that game was at like 89-89 for like <laughs> like four minutes straight. I've never oh. seen an NBA Finals game where neither team I mean like they were just and it was game seven, so you know that they had to dig in defensively. Lemon and, booty showed up. Oh yeah. Well I mean hey, you know, somebody gotta take a shot. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And it's easy to take a shot when you're, you know, if it's game one or game two, but it's game right. seven. You know, you don't want to be the one to make mistakes. So, right. Um, but yeah, I think those are that that is those are probably my two uh, favorite memories. And my third memory is is kind of um, it's it's a petty one, but uh, I remember when LeBron, you know, <laughs> when he went lemon booty against Dallas, and. Oh. Um, and I remember, uh, I remember Jason Terry talking so much shit about LeBron. And I mean, like Jason Terry, and, and I, don't get me wrong, Jason Terry is, is a very good player. He's had a great, you know, he had a great run in the league. But for him to be talking shit about LeBron, like he was talking about LeBron like LeBron was a poo butt. Yeah. And that alley-oop that he, LeBron caught on him, that Dwayne Wade threw on him, <laughs> oh, my gosh. That is like my third favorite LeBron memory because LeBron and LeBron handled it a whole lot better than I would have because I I would have just stood over and just got the tech. I would have just start cussing and just got the tech. But he did get a tech, and I don't he know why. He did get a tech, and I don't know why he didn't. Say I don't know nothing. why. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, he did. He didn't earn a tech on that. No, no, he didn't earn a tech. I would earn my money's worth for that. Um, so conversely, uh, Jordan Zell, your your favorite MJ moment. Um, jeez, man. Um. I would have to say flu game, maybe. Okay, okay, I'm, okay. I'm saying flu game only because. Now, was it really, the flu or was he drunk? I, I was just about to just say that. That's a rule. I was just about to say. I'm more apt to believe that he was uh, hungover than he was than it was the flu. Well, I mean, you know, as I say, real niggas know he was hungover. <laughs> But 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 look, that's still impressive though. A hungover game. I mean, you right. know, flu, flu game, hungover game, whatever it was, the closeout. And then I think you can't um forget not even the flu game, and then of course his last game with the shot and the push off and <laughs> holding the follow through. The push off, man. He did play. If he was playing, if he was playing now, that would have been a call. <laughs> That nigga push that nigga in the butt, yo. Who does <laughs> hey, those are my two. I think those are my two signature moments. Of course, like like his championship runs. You know, I'm very critical of his championship runs because I don't think Mike Mike played in a serious final. Like for real, for real. Like I don't think he ever like was pushed or tested. I mean, like you think about the Lakers when he played when like Magic was like a hundred years old. With a bad hamstring, hey, and then um, magic ass though. Oh please, that don't even count. Magic was old as hell then. And then look, he's trying to bait me. He's trying to bait me to say something. I know what that's all about. I'm not falling. No, 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 no. You're not talking about magic tonight. No, no, no I ain't not. talking about magic. No, what I'm, I'm talking about. Kyle's trying to bait me. Oh look, but the, the the point I was gonna make was Mike went through the air, 
and he went in for the lean dunk and switched hands to the left hand layup. And I saw that play. I was like, that's clearly somebody who's not worried about losing. I mean, clearly. <laughs> did, you, did, you, did you see the reason he gave why he did that play? You ain't never banged on Sam Perkins when you was at Carolina. You're lying. <laughs> you banged on Sam Perkins at Carolina. You're lying, mother. I'm not doing this. Yeah, man. So I think Mike has some real manufactured moments, but I think, you know, like the the hungover game and Okay. You know, for the for the championship. So I say those two moments. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> um, D, what about you? Favorite MJ moment? I don't have one. <laughs> you lie, you lie. I'm not gonna play with you. I'm not gonna play with your fans like that. I don't like Michael Jordan. I didn't like him. But you so, have a favorite MJ moment. I mean, he ain't never lost a title, so I can't say when he lost a title. So, um, nah, I, I, nah. I mean, the, uh, right, the Pistons were slamming him to the ground. That was probably. <laughs> but I didn't like the Pistons either. Y'all beat us too. So uh. I'm, I'm gonna do that. <laughs> Y'all beat us too. Yeah, nah, um, favorite Mike. Favorite Mike. Uh, uh, I honestly, I'm, I'm being honest, man. Um, <sighs> wow. I don't. I, no, I can't do it. I don't. I, I didn't like him like that. I, I can't do it. You don't have to the like shrug. him to have a favorite. The shrug. Moment. The I three point him. shrug. The, Portland is Portland. The shrug. That was cute. That was cute. <laughs> Once again, manufacturer. My yeah, yeah, yeah. See, that's my thing. That was a manufacturer. He dropped like thirty five points in a quarter. Yeah, but, but when he did the shrug, he had eight. Yo, he was in a finals. <laughs> eight, he was in a consecutive game. <laughs> Listen, he was in a finals game playing around. He's playing with these cats, man. <laughs> Yeah. You don't do the. <laughs> He's shrugging. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I see. The thing is, oh, if if you ask me about some 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 MJ highlights, he had some highlights that I remember, but I didn't watch all the games back then with him playing. So I, I can't say I. And you know, I hated y'all. Know me? I hated him. I couldn't. I couldn't watch that cat. He was great, and I couldn't do it. I was like, Nah, I'm not. I'm, I can't. So. A favorite MJ moment would be like saying, I, I don't have one, y'all. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, y'all. I can't do it. He was cool. He was great. He was the greatest. I don't have no favorite moment of his. Fuck him. Where the four five? What about the four five, Mike? <laughs> what about he, the double when, he, when he hit the shot in, 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 in the garden and tapped the floor, that might have been cute. I don't know. <laughs> I, just, I mean, he had some cute moments, but a uh, favorite? All right. All right. No, no. I can't say that either because that was that Pat Ewan and that's my boy. Um. Wow. All right. Maybe this is gonna sound kind of ill. Maybe when he when he choked out Reggie Miller and tried to punch. <laughs> okay, that's one. Because he had a. It was like a human moment. Like he was so inhumane. You know what I mean? No, it, it almost felt like nobody could get to him. Xavier McDaniel, uh, Gary Payton. You know, Cash tried to get to him, and, they, and they, all he did was make him mad and make him play better. Reggie got him to choke him and try to punch him in his face. So maybe when he when he reacted to Reggie, I was like, "Oh, finally he's human." Thank right, you. Right. So that I, I'll take that one right there. Okay. 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 <laughs> the Reggie Miller choke out. Reggie Miller choke out. Man, you, well, you guys know I, I'm a I'm a huge Jordan fan. Uh, there's there's a lot of memories, man. I, I think. 
probably my favorite memory. Damn, man, that's crazy. Um, it's so many of them. Man. I, I'll probably go back to the, to the, the the first the first title against the Lakers. Um, there was a there was a move that he had. Um, he went he went base. He was on the left side. He was on the left elbow, and he went baseline. And Sam Perkins came over to kind of to, to to block him, I guess. And whoever was, I think it was might have been um, might have been Cooper, not Cooper. Um, right, Scott, B, yeah, B. Scott was guarding him. He blew past Scott, and uh, Sam Perkins came up to block Jordan because Jordan went up for the dunk. And when he went up, he bumped into Sam. And keep keep in mind that they played get played together at Carolina. He when he went up in the air, he bumped Sam Perkins. And I kid you not, when he hit Sam Perkins, he went up like maybe two more inches, and yeah, Sam was do? going down. But what did Jordan do after that? He dunked it. He dunked it. He Thank dunked you. It. But he claimed he did a little other layup uh, because Sam it Perkins. So, it was yeah. so nasty. It was so nasty. So um, yeah that that series that 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 moment in that series was probably my because that was the first time again you know seeing him win a title and you know obviously he was you know very emotional and everything afterwards um. You know, but Jordan had so many memories. I mean, I like you said, I really could, I could do a podcast on Jordan memories. Um, so we want to talk about you know these three guys because I think, as I mentioned at the beginning, I started watching basketball, NBA basketball, in 1980, and that was right around the arrival of Magic Johnson, right around the arrival of Larry Bird. And I remember, you know, the NBA really wasn't in a good place. I mean, games were on tape delay. <laughs> what that means for you, for you youngsters out there listening, you could know, you could watch the six o'clock news and know what the score was to the game. And then they would play it back at 10 o'clock that night on TV. So you really had no reason to watch the game if you saw the score. Um, but each, the, the three of them actually really, I think, impacted the culture both on and off the court. Um, so that's why I want to go right with this question. Uh, and we'll start first with MJ. Um, so how, how do you think MJ changed the culture? You know, just the overall culture, not just basketball culture, because I, I know that's a part of it. But what do you think his impact and, and how did he change the culture of, of you know, sports and, and, and how we how we view sports? Um, I mean, I think he was the face of just like, um, I don't want to use the word globalization. I'll say that, um, for example, the, the average person who doesn't watch basketball um, probably watched basketball because of Michael. And I, I can really just say, like, like my mom and dad didn't want to miss Chicago Bull games wow. because – because they just was wanted to watch Mike, like especially in the finals, they'd be like, "Don't that boy from North Carolina come on tonight?" And, you know, it would be, it would, it would be that kind of, you know. And my mom did not actually have that sort of affinity for any other players. I think lately, because of all the hype with LeBron, she started wanting, you know, when the letter and going back to Cleveland, she started kind of getting intrigued with that little storyline. But as far as Mike, I mean, I think Mike just brought the new fan to basketball. I think prior to that, even with what magic and bird did, as far as just making it mainstream, you know, um, magic, I mean, Mike took it to another level. 
I think he added, you know, and just, you know, it took what Magic and Bird did and multiplied at time a thousand with what he did for the game as far as just branding and how, you know, you just dealt with, um, um, you know, how people market branding and Nike and all the things he did with selling products. And he just became um, uh, a face of just sports in general. Like everybody wanted a piece um, of his magic and what he brought to, you know, their brands, Hanes and all those things. So Mike was just big. I mean, he was an articulate, you know, guy. So he was marketable from that standpoint. We all knew real cats knew Mike was a thug and Mike, Mike, you know what I'm saying? Mike probably had, you know, a dime or, or some Nick bag somewhere and stogies, you know, you know, we, we, we know that, that Mike was in the world, but to, you know, to the cross section of America, you know, he was a darling for the right, most part. Right, right. Um, we ain't know how disrespectful Mike was to hall of fame speech. And, um, <laughs> And niggas was like, yo, Mike kind of like, yo, Mike kind of off. Like, <laughs> I, I was like, that was the one time Mike wasn't on script. He was not on script for his Hall of Fame speech. He just totally just went left. Um, so, yeah, man, I would have to say that, man. I would just say, like, yeah, his impact was just bigger than the, bigger than the game of basketball, actually. No doubt. No doubt. D, what about yeah. you? Uh, how do you think Mike, Mike changed, uh, he changed the culture? I think um, there's something that Zeke mentioned earlier about MJ's college days. Um, he had a different swagger that we didn't really know what that meant. Like we had Magic, we had Bird, we had Isaiah. You know the, the Converse kids that we called them. They they had a lane, but it wasn't something didn't resonate with the urban kids when it came to those guys. And as big as they were, Dr. J. Something about their personalities didn't resonate with us. When Mike got those Jordan, the, the, the Jordans, and then he hooked up with Spike Lee, it automatically resonated with us. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Like Magic and those guys in the McDonald's commercials and the Converse commercials. That was that was good stuff. But we were just finding out about Spike. You know what I'm saying? And Spike represented what we felt in our souls. And everything from the Nike commercials resonated around Mike and Mars, mm. and we could re- we could relate to that because we had seen she's got to have it, right? You know what I'm saying? Spike wasn't global yet, but for us, Spike was that dude. Mm. So to see Mike with Mars, aka Spike, that resonated to us. That swag, all of that, just it it just dribbled drizzled down to us. We felt everything about that, so we didn't care about anything else he did we want to see more jordan commercials we want to see what he gonna wear next time how he gonna oh they ban his sneakers we want him now you know what i'm saying yeah the weapons was cool i had some weapons yeah the weapons was cool but they banned jordans right. i gotta have those right. they mm-hmm. banned his joints and he's hanging out with mars blackman mars is that dude like everything when he i don't know who was the genius behind mike cooking up with mars oh i'm sorry spike but when they did that and and added it with Mike's little country swag, it all made sense to mm. us. You see what I'm saying? It just the the other guys, the corporate, they they were more corporate. The all the all the guys who were signed with Converse, 
you know, Robert Parrish and, and Kevin McKay, all those guys, they were they were good corporate dudes. Mm-hmm. Nike Nike was a rebel company. Yes, it was. At the time, Nike was a rebel company. It was on the up. We didn't know much about Nike. So you get this young cat from North Carolina, Brooklyn, well, from North Carolina. You know what I mean? He's dunking on dudes. We can identify with the dunks and all the high the high flying plays he makes. And then some genius put him with Mars Blackman. It all made sense. It exploded to us. It, we could finally relate. We didn't give a damn about Magic going to no French lick to play uh, <laughs> Larry Bird at his house. You know that was cute. We didn't care about that. But Matt, but but Mike dunking on Mars, hanging on the rim. You know that that we knew Mars. So his swag back then, it 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 it, it made a cultural difference, and that was the beginning of. I gotta have those sneakers. Mm-hmm. I gotta have that jersey. I gotta have the hat. I gotta have everything with the jump man on it. Yeah, he he. I think um, one of the ways that he changed the culture was that <clears throat> Jordan was, like Zell said, acceptable, um, and his people accepted him you know, across the board. And it didn't matter if it was, you know, like Zell, Zell said, his parents, white people, it didn't matter. And that appeal came across it. Like you said, he was well-spoken. Um, he always appeared to be, you know, uh, you know, back, back then, you know, he wasn't going to wear nothing <laughs> too outlandish. Like, you know, some of these cats dress now. Um, but he was always well-dressed, well-spoken, um, he played the game with, uh, you know, uh, so much energy and passion and he was a winner. So when you, all of that, and all of this happened like at the right time, uh, he got with a company, like you said, like Nike who needed someone, you know, to pitch their products and everything like that. And once he became a spokesperson for Nike, you know, then it was Gatorade, then it was McDonald's and, and he became a national pitch man, on top of all of that, he was killing them on the court. Um, you know, you even go back to uh, 1988. Jordan wins the MVP. I think he was the. Uh, I want to say he was. He won the. He won the All Star Game MVP that year. Uh, <laughs> he robbed Dominique of the the slam dunk uh, title. Um, and I think he was like first team all NBA defense or something. I mean, he might have been defensive player. Of the year. I'm, I'm not even sure. I mean, like, so he got it done on the court and off the court, and he became a national pitch man. And I think um, his the shoes obviously was one of the things that propelled him. Uh, like I said, one of the biggest things that they ever did for Jordan, and he benefited from was the fact that he was in a game, an NBA game, and the referee threw him out of the game because of his shoes and he said well why they said well you got to you got to get out of the game and he said well, he said why they said well you can't wear those shoes in this game and he said well why can't i wear these shoes he was like the ref said because the shoes don't have enough white in them and they literally threw him out of the game because the jordans that he had on they were red and black they didn't have any white in them and so that right there and the rebel culture of how we were at that particular time in the 80s that made kids want to get the shoes. You know, okay, these are the shoes that got got this guy kicked out of a game. Okay, let's buy these. You know, and it didn't matter how much the shoes cost for some people. Um, but, yeah, Jordan, he he was the blueprint. You know, if there was no Jordan, 
there would be no Iverson, there would be no LeBron, obviously there'd be no Kobe, no nobody as far as how these and not, and not just basketball players, but you know just athletes in general. He was the blueprint, blueprint, excuse me. And so I think you know what he was able to do in being able to reach people and you know sell products and then also produce on his and be the best at what he was doing. Um, you know, spoke volumes, and I think you know at that particular time, and I think really for each three of the people that we're talking about, history-wise, we caught lightning in a bottle. I don't know that you're going to see another Jordan. You know, I don't know that you're ever going to see another Iverson. I don't know that you're going to see another LeBron, and that's what this podcast is is going to talk about. Um, conversely, Bubba Chuck, um, D. The list goes on and on, but how I, I know there's so much that can be said about how he changed the culture. What, what's your take on how Allen Iverson changed the culture? <laughs> on and off the court. Dress code. Dress code. No question. I'm going to start there. He actually made David Stern so nervous that he made them implement a dress code for off the court. When they show up at the arena, like let that sink in for a minute. Mm. He made them like no matter what they was doing beforehand. When he started seeing them do rags and Eagles jerseys, <laughs> David Stern was like, "Nah, dude, we need some button ups around here. Y'all gotta have some button ups." So he changed. He changed that. Um, he he gave other players. I'm gonna let that sink in. I'm gonna let that go. All right, ready? Cool. Hey Zell, what you doing over there, man? You cooking us up, man? Nah, man, I'm just moving around. We good, we good. Yeah, so... um, over to get robbed. (laughs) We're not doing that. I love you, brother. We ain't doing that. Um, Chuck gave other players the courage to be themselves. Mm. And some of them even went beyond who they really were. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, they wanted to to have the, the, the cornrows. They wanted to get the sleeves tatted up on their arms. They wanted to do all that, but they didn't have the balls to do it. But once Chuck was doing it, every other player started doing it. And then, you know, people can try to say that they, they did it before him. No, they didn't. It wasn't no everybody. Like, every team had, like, four or five, six dudes with cornrows after Chuck. Like, it was amazing how many dudes around the league had cornrows. And even white players were walking around with do-rags, Eminem. And then you, you just get like, <laughs> everybody saw that and was like, yo, I can I can be me. And then when he started doing, you know, when he dropped 40 bars, all bets were off. Kobe, take that record off the off the shelves. Please do it 40 now. 40 bars. When, now, he now, dropped you, 40 when you say 40 bars, explain to those who weren't around or maybe couldn't come outside, what was 40 bars? Okay, so AI... AKA Jewels. <laughs> he was a rapper too, y'all. And um Jewels wasn't um he wasn't PG. Jewels was a, a killer. Um and Jewels dropped 40 balls and was and was uh basically shooting cats in the song. And um when people and heard that hell out of David yo, Stern. David Stern was really like, this can't be an MVP of my league doing this. This can't be an all-star MVP. This can't be a, a, a leading jersey seller. Like, AI was doing everything according to corporate America wrong, but he reached 
the masses in numbers that they couldn't deny. And he, he, he everybody who's doing their thing now, like, I know y'all looking at, you know, uh, not y'all, but people in general see these players mm-hmm. with all these tats and all this stuff, and they think it's normal. It wasn't normal before Chuck. Mm. It wasn't. People might have had one, two, if that. maybe three, <laughs> you know, maybe three tats back in the day. Chuck started getting the sleeves. He started coming to games, getting his mom to braid his hair on the sidelines. <laughs> These things weren't, you know, you wouldn't know about Gloria if it wasn't for Chuck's moms. And Iverson. You, you do what I'm saying? It, it, there's some things that him and his family did when they got to the league that everybody thinks is normal now, but it was not normal before Chuck. It just was not. So he he changed. He 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 brought. Uh, I don't want to. I don't know if I want to say it like this. I, he might have made it. He might have normalized the hood nigga in the NBA. Hmm. Hmm. I'm a, I'm gonna let that marinate on people. He he possibly could have normalized the hood nigga in the NBA because they existed. But they still had to put on their show. They still had to put on their suits and their ties, and they had to talk properly. But now, when you see cats doing hood cat stuff, and you like, oh, that nigga crazy. AI might have been the first one to normalize that as a superstar. Mm. Wow, that's that's that is a great point. Great point. Um, Zell, what about you, man? Chuck, what what do you think his uh, impact and change on the culture was. Uh, I think Derek summed it up, man. I mean, you know, if I'm not mistaken, the mascot at for the '76s was called Hip Hop. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I didn't know that. I think the it bunny was. wasn't it, the hip- it was. I think so. The bunny was called Hip Hop. They had like the '76s had a bunny, and it was called Hip Hop. Wow. Um, all of that, all of that was as a result of what Ivan Iverson, I think, made. You know, that culture, hip-hop culture, and at the time, I think Derek hit it right on the head, you know, during the mid-90s, you know, hip-hop culture was very street-oriented. It wasn't like this hybrid mumble stuff that's going on now. Um, it was actually, you know, locks. It was, it was you know, Bob Deep. It was that type of feel. And... Um, he represent that to the T. I, I always tell people, I said, uh, Bubba Chuck is going to be the last all-star to play in the NBA that played public school, public school high school basketball. Wow. Like, the rest of these guys are going to be these prep stars, you know, St. Mary, St. Vit. You ain't going to find a cat that went to Wilson, you know, being an a MVP of the NBA. Like, wow. it's you know, Chuck was really built from the ground up. I mean, it wasn't a, you know, that's why I always laugh at like his game. Like Chuck's game was really just all freakness. It was all, he was a freak. And it wasn't as polished as, you know, people, I, he was so much of a freak of an athlete. He didn't really have to be as polished in terms of his fundamentals. Mm-hmm. Like Chuck was so fast and so quick with that one little dribble. He didn't have to have per- perfect mechanics on his ball handling. He just was faster than everybody. Yeah, yeah. And um, um, and that was just all God giving talent and ability. Um, I don't think you're gonna see that too many more times. You're not gonna see a guy just come out of the projects and work his way up to the 
top spot in the NBA. Like that that is unheard of. Most of these guys are coddled, you know, prep kids who go to these prep schools and they isolate them from their neighborhoods and teach them how to conduct themselves and there yeah, ain't gonna be no more just coming straight out of pub school and you know your mama in the projects and your daddy's a pimp and you know <laughs> that 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 storyline you it's gonna be hard pressed to find that. You know, I mean you're still gonna have some struggle, but it's gonna be, you know, if you're an NBA talent, you know, people are gonna find you, protect you, and try to make sure they can get a piece of them millions of dollars you about to make. Mm-hmm. Um, but Chuck went to jail, came out, you know, all of that. And, you know, his mama took him up to John Thompson. The rest is history. Um, um, so I think his impact, you know, was very similar to what Derek was talking about. Like he normalized street culture and um, it was, you know, the NBA tried to resist and then they conformed. Yeah. And that was all because of Alan Iverson and, the fandom that he brought to the game. Like he almost was the polar opposite of Michael Jordan. Mm, he was. And Michael Jordan was the refined UNC, well-spoken, wore all them fancy suits. You know, he tried to, you know, he, he you know, now when Mike first came, Mike did have, he like was the original, he was the original two chains. I don't know if y'all remember. <laughs> two chains. <laughs> yeah. Black Jesus was, was, was Yeah, he was the original two chains. I think I had them hair and bones and all that other stuff. But, um, remember, remember Jordan had, what was that? The dunk contest in eighty four yeah. Indianapolis, he had two chains on. Yeah. That's it. The original two chains, baby. And the and slap. He, and he and he pissed people off with that that too. Of course. That was too hard. But then the league wasn't ready for that, but the league wasn't really ready for obviously, but obviously because the culture shifted and, you know, white America, you know, I mean, their sons were coming to the games with obviously jerseys on and, and do rags. Um, and yeah, it was crazy. And I, I think I remember one time, you know, Allen Iverson came into a gym. This was after he, he was in the NBA and he showed up. I think Derek, you might've been with me. I'm not that was, sure. That was the year he got drafted. The summer he got drafted. That was the, the summer before he got no, it was the summer after he got drafted, but he hadn't played yet. Yeah, and the cat, the cat came into the gym, man, and he created so much of a commotion. They had to ask this brother to leave, man. Like yeah. it was that much of a distraction to and the it basketball was an AAU game. game. It was an AAU tournament. AAU it wasn't game. like no regular yeah. game, right? And they had to tell that cat to move. Like he had to get out because it was creating so much of a commotion. Anytime he moved, the whole gym moved with him. Like all the kids, <laughs> it was ridiculous. Everywhere he went, it was just camera snapping. And I mean, that was just a crazy um, period of time where he was the the biggest thing on this planet. And um, so, yeah, for sure, man, he definitely normalized and made street culture, you know, um, a popular thing. No doubt, no doubt. I I, I agree with both what you guys said. I think. Um, and I tell anybody, my two favorite, my favorite player to watch in the NBA uh, was Michael Jordan. Uh, second favorite, close, a close second is Allen Iverson. Um, AI, I think he, what he did was he, he did so much and he was so far ahead of his time. Um, and like you said, Zell, I agree. He was the polar opposite of Jordan, um, where Jordan was more refined. Um, Iverson wasn't. And the thing that you said that really stands out is conforming. 
the NBA wanted Iverson. They they knew what kind of marketing that they could put behind them. They knew what kind of, you know, all they saw was dollars. If we can get this guy to polish himself, like we can polish him up, put him in some suits, <laughs> you know, and have him come to the arena and, you know, you know, have him, you know, chilling or whatever like that. We can do commercials with him. We can do this. We can do that. He can be our spoke because he was going to be the face of the league. He was going to be one of the ones to carry the torch after Jordan left. And, you know, Iverson, to his credit, and some thought to his demise, but I don't think so. He stayed true to who he was. You know, he, he, <laughs> I heard him say in an interview, he has suits, but he, he was like, he, didn't, he wasn't going to wear a suit. You know, he, he was going to wear whatever he felt was comfortable to the arena. I remember him winning the, uh, winning the uh, rookie of the year award. And he shows up in a, like a, a you, and you can Google the pictures. He's got a, a jacket on. He's got a do rag on at the press conference. <laughs> He's got like a leather jacket on and a do rag and, uh, and like, you know, like five platinum chains, um, you know, but Iverson stayed true to who he was and, and he didn't want to necessarily conform per se. And he also, you know, pushed back a little bit because I think the NBA and the suits and everybody wanted him to be, you know, the 30, 33 year old vet when he was 21 years old. You know, that's, that's not what you're going to get with Iverson. You know, you're going to see him show up at the game, you know, with baggy clothes on a jersey, you know, blasting. Um, I don't know the locks in his uh, <laughs> in his headphones. So that's who he was, and he stayed true to who he was, and he was going to play his game. And you know, and that was another thing too. On the court, they didn't like his game. Um, you know, Larry Brown, the legendary coach, did a lot as far as moving him from you know point guard to two guard, and I think he changed the game in that aspect too as well because he was a smaller guard. But just off the court, man, he did so much. And I think one of the things that really stood out to me was that Iverson, people felt a connection to Iverson. Even the Phil- even the fans in Philadelphia, there was a connection. The old 50-year-old white Jewish banker felt a connection to Allen Iverson because Iverson always said he played every game like it was his last. You knew he was going to bust his ass every night that he was on that court. And I think that's one of the things that kind of gets lost that people don't talk about as much, and they probably should the way that he played the game, but off the court, he changed everything. I mean, like you said, Zell, he was so so far ahead of his time. You look at the NBA now, it's all hip-hop. You go into any, you can go into arena, you can go into, uh, what's the arena in um, Salt Lake City? They're playing hip-hop while during the game. You know what I'm saying? Ain't nobody in Utah listening to hip-hop. <laughs> you know, but... All of that changed because of Iverson, because Iverson was going to be who he was. And then they realized, you know, people realized, okay, well, hey, you know, there's no need for us to try to change this guy. Let's let him be who he is. And then, like you said, Derek, you know, the dress code, the dress code was huge. Now, I can make a case that I would much rather see somebody coming to the arena like Iverson used to dress with uh, Tim's on a jean, baggy jeans and a shirt as opposed to, you know, Russell Westbrook, Russell Westbrook. <laughs> coming with these. Just say it. Yeah, just say it. <laughs> with, with these nut huggers on. Um, yeah. But, um, you know, looking like a fifth ego. Um, but, uh, but yeah, AI did so much, man. He did so much. And, and he's always, he's often said too that, you know, he felt like he took, he took a lot of bullets 
for cats to kind of live now. And yeah. I think, you know, he I think that's very true because most of the stuff that he did, it wasn't popularized. He was scrutinized for it. And, you know, a lot of and it's funny. It's funny now to hear people who particularly sports writers who didn't embrace Allen Iverson back then. Oh, they love him now. Right. They, but, you know, you see Iverson in an interview. He still looks the same. He still dresses the same. He still talks the same. He talks like a guy from Newport News, Virginia. You know, so, um, but yeah, man, I, I, I love him. I think he probably, I, I could make a case that his influence on culture, on pop culture, has been bigger than the two other people that we talked about, Jordan and, and LeBron. I can make a, I can make that case. Not saying that it's true, but I could, I could actually make a case for it. Um, conversely, LeBron. Um, D, how do you think he's changed culture uh, off the court? Jesus. All right. Um, Hate aside. I'm, I'm trying to not do that. <laughs> um, okay. On a, on a positive note, I got to I gotta commend him for the stance he takes in social issues when it comes to African Americans in America. Mm. He 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 has stepped out as as being the the number one NBA player. He has taken some steps that other number one players at the time wouldn't dare take for whatever reason. We can we can try to you know politicize those reasons or you know say that they had like contractual reasons for everybody to buy sneakers, whatever they want to say. LeBron has taken some steps that other number one players culturally would never ever have touched. The um the the Trayvon wearing the the, the the uh hoodies in Miami, the shirts, um the speech at the SBs, um going back at Laura Ingram, I think her name is from Fox News, making a little the documentary he made. He's done some things culturally that other top players in the world would never ever touch. So I'll give him credit for that. Off the court, he 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 tackles issues that he he who else is gonna say Basically, fuck president. I'm not gonna say his name. Who would who would actually say that? Mm. He said that in his prime. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like he, Craig Hodges was banned from the world for winning dashiki to the White House. <laughs> let's just focus on that for a second. Let's go. Let's go back in time for a second. Craig Hodges wore dashiki and got banned from the league, and we never heard from him again. But he was the best three point shooter on the globe at the time. Let that sink in. Mm. You know what I'm saying? But LeBron said, fuck 45. I love it. I love it. So I love I, I'll, I'll give him credit for that. He He's done way more than other people in his position would dare touch. True indeed. And, and I, I don't think we'll ever get to a point where we'll see, you know, a star that big you know, be that, uh, be that open as far as, right, um, right. as far as, you know, taking, taking stances and doing things of that nature. Right. Um, but what about you, man? LeBron's um, impact. Brian, um, man, I think, yo, it's been tremendous. He's kind of taken what Allen Iverson did and what magic, I mean, what, um, um, Michael did into one person like he's cool he's not as hip as you know i mean no one's gonna be as hip as 
Chuck, because his, his his was like authentic, <laughs> yeah. and real. like you know. But he kind of is a cool guy, you know. He listens to hip hop. He plays Jay Z's in his car, but he's well spoken, and he kind of appeases all world. You know, he can kind of you know sell things and products and speak to uh, one side of America, and he can also you know, do a lyrical breakdown of Jay-Z's best verse. <laughs> Good point. Good point. Yeah, and, and, and so he's kind of like the best of both worlds in that sense. He's kind of the good about Mike and then the good about Iverson. And then you add a little bit of Jabbar in there with his little activism, like Jerry said. I mean, he's he's kind of he's tapped into a lot of things that athletes have done singularly you know in, in their own individual right he's kind of combined all those things so mm-hmm. that's part of what makes him great is that he can navigate in all those worlds pretty seamlessly mm-hmm. and still come across relatively authentic and natural and organic it doesn't come across as forced like there were times where you know like no disrespect to Kobe but there were times <laughs> I'm saying, yo, I'm, <laughs> y'all know where I'm going. We all, know, we all know where you're going, but say it anyway. Say it anyway. I all remember when Kobe <laughs> tried to wear them platinum chains. <laughs> hey, was that was that when he, when he was rapping? Man, I, I, think, I think he rapped. If you can believe this, I think he rapped before the platinum days. If you can believe that, yes. Listen, there was a time when Kobe was like, damn, Bubba Chuck is killing it out there. Let me let me let me ice out my neck. <laughs> yeah, he, he, and he looked so that's what made him look worse. Uh, and, made him and, look they, worse. and they got Kobe to fuck up out of here too with that too. Hey, you know, Kobe was his bias when he had the crooked afro. He should have just rocked that out. You know what I mean? <laughs> He just just rode that out as long as he could. But anyway, because uh, I thought he was gonna braid it, I said that nigga gonna try to braid that shit eventually. You know what I'm saying? We all thought that. We all thought it. He, he has to. It's too thick. He got to do it now. He couldn't. He got to hey, go. He, he his hairline uh, started too far back, man. Dude, he couldn't braid. Uh, he couldn't braid. Uh, he'd uh, had. A, he'd had a Stephen A. Could have Ricky Davis uh, that shit. He could have. Yeah. He could have tried. He didn't even go for it. He never once, not once. He never tried it once. Come on now. He, he was almost there, man. I thought he was about to go ahead and go full AI, but then somebody, when somebody told him, taught him better. Was like, nah, dog, you from Italy, bro. I mean, he Nobody was rapping. In, he rapped in Italian. That changed yeah, the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you <laughs> rapping in Italian. They was like, yeah, you can't braid your shit now. <laughs> you, you ain't hood. Yeah, yeah you got hood, G. You rapping in Italian. <sighs> yeah, Lord. so. So, so I think I think LeBron definitely, you know, has tapped into all those different, you know, as those things that are very positive about Mike, LeBron, even going back as far as Jabbar and Russell and those guys, and he pulled it into one person, and and that impact I think we see it, you know, in various ways, like from his activism to what he's doing with his schools, um, you know, the kids who idolize LeBron, you know, they're looking at a person that. Try to do it all. Play sports, doing well in the business world. He's well spoken. He's still cool. He listens to mumble rap. He listens to street <laughs> rap. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, he he he's not too he's not too corporate where he's lost, but he can be corporate. 
enough. Right, right. So, um, he got his boys with him, you know, like quote unquote the posse and Phil oh Jackson said. You know, oh but his posse, his posse was able to, you know, turn out some pretty nice and make some pretty good impacts on the business world. So I think from a role model, I think outside I mean, I think probably that's LeBron's strongest um impact is, you know, what he's been able to show kids and show people what he can do off the court like you know the way he has flipped his whole career and i didn't even realize that until Stephen a smith brought it up probably a week ago that lebron originally tried to do this whole um sports agency company with chris paul dwayne wade and carmela anthony that was supposed to be the partners of that thing and he's like all them cats didn't really want to do it so he got his homeboys yeah Mm. yeah and, you know, so he just, you know, like, even his cohorts didn't believe. Like, you know, you should just think about it. Like, you got some pretty good guys who had very stellar NBA careers. Like, nah, man, we ain't messing with Bron Bron trying to do that old agent stuff. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. CP3 was the first one that backed out. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So you think you think about, like, that vision and, and, and him being able to flip that because he's had a great NBA career. And he's able to position his boys. I mean, that says, I mean, I don't think, you know, like, you got to have your friends be more than just the weed man connect. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) Or the fall guy. (laughs) Chuck homeboy, you know, one of them carried the gun, the other one carried the weed, the other one carried the money. You know what I'm saying? It was like, (laughs) yeah. So I can't, so I can't I can't contribute to that conversation. <laughs> I refuse. <laughs> and, and, and the sad part, I've seen it up in person. So have I. I've seen the money. I've seen the money guy with the bag. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I saw him one night in the players' club. It wasn't pretty. Oh. It, it, it wasn't pretty for us. Oh, funny. I'll leave it at that. Yes, so I, I, I'm done, man. But yeah, LeBron definitely for sure. Yeah, I, you, know. I, you know, I really don't have much more to add. I think, um, I think you touched on a lot of great points, man. I, I think LeBron really, he studied, you know, and I, I think he doesn't really get enough credit for his intelligence, but he studied those who came prior to him. So you know, he saw what uh, AI did. He saw what Jordan did. He saw what Magic did. He saw what Kobe did. And, you know, he's been able to take those things and take the, the successes uh, and failures, for that matter, and kind of roll them and, and try to, you know, be who he is in his own brand. Um, you know, one of the things that I think off the court that he does, like you said, the social activism, I think, is, is tremendous because we've never seen an athlete this big actually care. Um you know, Jordan got slammed and, you know, and we'll talk more about it. But, you know, he got slammed for, you know, comments that he made about, you know, not, you know, supporting a Democratic uh, candidate in uh, the state of North Carolina. And you saw LeBron, you know, he went out and campaigned for Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton, um, you know, and in a time where in, now in, I guess to be fair to Jordan at that particular time in, in the country, you know, people didn't want to hear what athletes had to say as far as anything political. They didn't want to know what what you believed in politically. They didn't want to know what kind of religion you you had or anything like that. We're in an era now where everything's exposed and we expose so much, you know, that LeBron actually has benefited from that. But he's, you know, he's not afraid to speak his mind. I think 
and I said this, you know, when it happened, I think LeBron will go down as one of the all time, if not the greatest of all time, based on off the court stuff that he does that school and the the scholarships and everything for the kids that have gone through those schools that will end up I think going to the University of Akron that will make a bigger impact than anything he's ever done on a court because you know you're dealing with education and we know you know education is so important particularly for kids of color uh in this country more so than anything else um but yeah, I, I, I salute LeBron in, in his off the court efforts, and I think you know I think he's he's taken a lot from what you know, like I said, Iverson and Jordan did. He you know twisted his way, and and he's made it to a situation where um, you know it's it's going to be a success, and he's been a success, and he's also offered a blueprint for everybody else to follow. So I think I think that's important as well. Um, he's definitely put a put a blueprint out there, and hopefully the the kids that come behind him, you know, will learn from it and and you know keep going on the same path. Man, listen, <laughs> I gotta thank everybody for listening to the podcast. Uh, as you can see, we're on a roll, but we're gonna we're gonna take a break right here. This is gonna be the end of this episode of the podcast. This is the end of episode one, but make sure to come back and check out part two of our discussion about Jordan, Iverson, and LeBron. Once again, thanks for checking out the latest edition of the 12 Kyle podcast. I'm your boy, 12 Kyle. Catch you guys next time. Five G's.